Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you another great episode tonight here on Talking Circles. We're breaking down Watkins Glen, everything from Watkins Glen NASCAR Xfinity Series, NASCAR Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series events uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Also, the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series event from Eldora. We'll get into that as Stuart Friesian won his first career Truck Series event at Eldora Speedway in dramatic fashion there as well. It was a wild weekend from Watkins Glen, a couple of confrontations in the Xfinity, one in the Xfinity Series race, a couple in the Cup Series race today. We'll break that all down. Also, Chase Elliott's win. Who had a good day and who really struggled? And we're getting to that point in the schedule now where you have to look at it and say um, it is go time for these teams that are outside of the playoffs. 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking in Circles. For any time you want to touch, talk to us about anything you saw today at Watkins Glen or over the weekend in NASCAR, we'll talk about it with you guys tonight on 917-889-8280. It's Talking in Circles. Let's get right to it. Go bowling at the Glen this afternoon. Chase Elliott held off Martin Truex Jr. for the victory. That's Chase's fifth career victory. Uh, led 80 of the 90 laps today. A pretty dominant uh, win by Chase Elliott in Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. He held off Martin Truex Jr. Denny Hamlin was third. Then it was Eric Jones and Ryan Blaney, the top five. Blaney got a little bit of controversy at the end. Uh, him and Jimmy Johnson got into it a little bit on pit road. There was no pushing or shoving, but a little bit of a conversation that wasn't they weren't exchanging, uh, you know, address for where they were going to send their Christmas cards. That is for sure. We'll discuss that a little bit as well. Another good run for Matt Benedetto. It seems like the Toyotas this year really have these um, road courses figured out, even though a Chevrolet won. Toyota had all five of their cars in the top 11, and Kyle Busch had some damage. He, got, he had two run-ins today uh, as Kyle finished 11th. Two runs in today, one with William Byron, the other one with Bubba Wallace. We'll discuss that as well. Um, so a, a good day for Toyota, a good day for Hendrick Motorsports and Chase Elliott as well, even though uh, Chase was the highest finishing Hendrick Motorsports car by a lot. The next highest finishing one was Alex Bowman in the 14th. So anything you want to talk about today, we'll, we'll get to it here, guys. But, Philip, I'll start with you. What did you think of Chase Elliott's win? I mean, a pretty dominant win. He won both stages, uh, got, got playoff points, and, and went out there and really came out at a racetrack that he won at last year. And really, aside from Kyle Busch, if you remember last year, Kyle Busch had a had a really fast car here, uh, and sort of shot themselves in the foot. They had a pit road violation. I can't remember whether it was dragging uh, stuff out of the pit box, or he he overshot his pit stall, or he ran in a, or he uh, was was too fast on pit road. I can't remember what it was, but he had to start way back on a restart last year, and he picked his way through the field very easily last year and got to third, but just could not chase uh, Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson down. Um, so Chase went out there last year with the second-best car and won. Today, Philip, he went out there with the best race car and was able to hold off the field and go to victory lane. Your thoughts on the uh, go bowling at the Glen today? Yeah, that was a good old-fashioned woodshed whipping by by uh, Chase Elliott. Uh, that I, I in terms of that in in terms of his Cup career, uh, that's the best performance that Chase Elliott has put up uh, by far. He has, he took over for Jeff Gordon, and in a lot of ways, he looked like Jeff Gordon out there at Watkins Glen on Jeff Gordon's birthday because uh, Hendrick forgot to wish him. But um, happy birthday to Jeff Gordon! Uh, his replacement looked like him out there. How smooth 
He didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes. Great strategy by Gustafson, which is not something you always say about Gustafson. They they really put everything together. And the only two two cars that really had anything for Chase Elliott were Martin Truex again, as like last year, and Kyle Busch. But Kyle Busch was trying to run into and around and over people. And we'll talk about that later in more detail. But Martin Truex and him had a great, you know, tussle. He brought it up at the end where basically he could get to within two or three tenths. And then because of the arrow um, and the downforce package, you really couldn't do anything past that. They were basically running, they were running Mickey Thompson Stadium Super trucks or whatever through the inner loop and running wide off of the carousel and doing all this and they couldn't and Martin couldn't make anything happen. Jace just dominated that deal. And for considering the slide they've been on for the past couple of months to stop the bleeding is a good deal for them and for the nine team. It also gets them closer to Kurt Busch for the best of the rest in terms of for best Chevy uh, in points and in general, uh, best Chevy. Yeah. I mean, in best of the rest, meaning non, uh, Penske or, or Gibbs for the exception of Harvick. I mean, outside of that, I mean, you, the Toyotas have been, as you said, the, all the Toyotas were fast, even, even Parker Kligerman before Suarez used them up. Uh, you know, they all were relatively fast this weekend. Uh, I mean, you got Hamlin was there, but he wasn't where he wanted to be. But I figure by the time they get to the Roval, when it really counts, uh, that 11 team will probably be there. Jones, who's responded basically when his job's on the line, and Di Benedetto as well, have both responded relatively well. Uh, Blaney, who got into it with seven time and seven times now, becoming an ornery, um, angry man. Um, talked a lot of crap about him, but uh, got a top five finish out of that. I mean, you go go through the top tens, a lot of the guys that are already in the top ten in points, for the exception of Larson, Kyle Busch getting an 11. The reality was he probably had the second best car, if not the best car in this field, and he let one incident that he basically got out of unscathed, um, and he went and he went mental, and that's set him down this path where, you know, like he's a perfect, he's a perfect example. Somebody can give it and won't take it. And he acts like a baby when somebody goes after him. And you'd think that after Ron Horn did, he try to beat him up and Richard Childress and some of these other people try to beat him up. He'd learn, but he never will. And for all the people I want to talk about the PR campaign by NBC and Fox to make him look like some gem of the earth today was proof positive that he's still the same old guy. You can't really change him. So uh, he wasted probably a car that could have won this race, uh, getting an aji-baji, as uh, the great Calvin Fish would say on the sports bear telecast. But credit to Chase Elliott yeah. for um, a great performance today. It was. It was. You know, and you talked about it earlier. I think what you could expect to happen with this team was they were, you know, in a funk and whenever, and whenever a team's in a funk, you kind of sit there and go, well, you know, they, they have everything going right for them. They, they look fast this weekend. Everything's going to go. But they're still in a funk where, you know, maybe bad luck will creep up on them a little bit. And I think everybody sort of expected that a little bit. Well, you know, he's been in the funk lately, bad luck still. But he went out there today and said, you know what, bad luck 
the heck with that. Um, we're going to go out there and, and win at Watkins Glen. And not only did they win, they kicked everybody's butt doing it. So it was a, a uh, statement win by Chase Elliott today. Now, we still have the Robo no Chase, as you said, in the playoffs, I should say, um, which is a big deal for him. And But there's not a lot of other tracks like this. So there's still some work to do over there at Hendrick Motorsports, but a statement win for day, today for Chase Elliott. Spencer, Chase Elliott now has more wins on a road course in the Cup Series than his father does, which is kind of surprising when you think about how many wins his dad has. Uh, 39 more wins than his son, but Bill only won one road course race. Chase has now won two. Um, what did you think of today's race out at Watkins Glen? I mean, there was a lot to take in. You know, there was some contra- couple controversies at the end of that race with uh, – Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney, you had Bubba Wallace with Kyle Busch and William Byron with Kyle Busch. Um, what did you think of the whole events today at Watkins Glen International? Well, I guess uh, uh, Chase Elliott's come right quite a road courser on Watkins Glen. Uh, you guys pretty much mentioned it. I mean, he led all but 10 laps, and that's pretty incredible for that team and him. And um, You know, it's each driver has one of them tracks where they just click and it's, it's so good to them. And apparently this is one of them. And um, so, yeah, another dominant performance out at a Watkins Glen track for him uh, as he did last year, but no uh, other, all, all in all, I thought it was a decent race. Um, I thought there was nice little battles all over the track all day long between, you know, one or two, three guys, um, the leaders, you know, they were able to kind of pull away from the pack as Truex and Elliott were able to do. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned there was drama all over the track all day. It really kept you on your toes, put it that way. Um, you had Bubba wrecking Bush and uh, Blaney and um, uh, Jimmy getting together. And, you know, that kind of throws stuff in the mix. Um, how, you know, I thought it was amped up. Um, you know, the playoffs are getting closer and guys are – their pa- their patient level is getting lower. They're not going to have a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good race. I enjoy road co- road course racing now as I get older, and I think it's very exciting. It's uh, It can be boring, but this one I thought was a decent race. And um, I, don't, I wouldn't say the Roval is going to be the same because the Roval is like, not like any other road course. Um, it's very difficult, the drivers were saying. So, um, who knows? He could go there and dominate that race, but um, congrats to that team. And I still think they have some improvements to do, and they just they just have that track figured out. Yeah, and I, I always commend the team though that when they get to a track that they're really good at, or um, get to a situation where they they really feel like they can win, and they go out and do that, you sit there and go, hey, they they did it. You know what I mean? They they didn't. There was no screw up on the pit road. They performed flawlessly when they needed to, when they had the car to do it. So they deserve some credit for that. You know, even the adjustments, and, and Philip mentioned the strategy in this race, everything was flawless for that nine car today, uh, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, a couple of other guys who had decent runs today, uh, Di Benedetto, there's, you can't say much more about him. Recently, he's really, really picked it up in that 95 car for Levine family. I mean, early in this year, it looked like, well, that 95 team uh, – he just wasn't running that good. But since Sonoma, you know, he's he's moved up from 26th to 23rd in the standings, four top five, four top ten finishes uh, in that time frame since Sonoma. So it's really been a, a good couple of weeks for um, Matt Benedetto. Even a 16th place finish and 17th place finish at Pocono for that team 
compared to where they were earlier in the year is a step in the right direction. So, you know, I brought this up the other day, and I, I'm curious. You know, there's a lot of talk about uh, Christopher Bell, his future with Joe Gibbs Racing and where that's going to be and whether or not he's going to be running a second uh, LFF, LFR car next season. Um, and I think it's very possible, and you have to wonder maybe if they're sort of getting some more information from that for that from Joe Gibbs Racing to where they can sell some sponsorship to put Christopher Bell in that car and to sort of sell Christopher Bell and say, hey, listen, we've, we've stepped up our program a little bit with Levine's family over the last couple of weeks, and look how well Di Benedetto's performed. If you get in there, you can do the same thing. So I, I, I'm curious to see how they run the rest, rest of the season, 14 races to go. Unless Matt wins at one of the next four races, he's not going to make the playoffs on his points. But it's certainly been a, a step in the right direction for that 95 team. When you look at the points and where they are, um, you know, he's, he's really closed the gap even on Austin Dillon uh, at 22nd in points. And if he finishes 22nd in points, it's not a bad year for him. Um, I think he could very well, very much do that. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes for DiBenedetto and, and RCR there for uh, Austin Dillon in, in that battle. But it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on them as well. Another guy I want to give a shout-out to today, guys, and I talk about him every week, but, you know, he's on a string of 12 consecutive top 20 finishes, and that's Chris Busher in the 37 car for JTD Dollary Racing. Another solid day. Busher's been a good road racer. He won a road race at his first Xfinity Series race a few years back. Uh, he's a very good road racer, and, and he's proven this year he's not only good on the road courses, he's good everywhere. A solid, solid day again, a 20th place, uh, top 20 for him, the 12th consecutive for that team. Incredible. Uh, stretch of races they've had there for that 37 team so far uh, in 2019. And, and then there's a couple of guys you look at and you kind of scratch your head and say, where were they today? Um, and one of those guys, Philip, was Daniel Suarez, who a lot of people sort of pitched as a driver who could win today at Watkins Glen International. Uh, it wasn't anywhere close to the front, didn't qualify that well, had a little bit of a run in, as you mentioned, in that race. Um, you know, Daniel's an interesting character because a lot of people expected him to, you know, take the next step in the right direction. You know, I remember when he left Joe Gibbs Racing, I said, well, maybe this is a good thing for him. He gets into a car where they really believe in him, uh, and, you know, he's not into a situation where Carl Edwards sort of just left and got forced into it, uh, and he's going to do real good there. And now you look at him and go, he's 23 points back of 16th, of 16th and 23 points back of 17th as well. Uh with just four races to go. He's not in a, in a good stretch of races for him either. It's not like he's been red hot and clicking on all cylinders, and you can say, well, you know, he's running really good. He's only got one top ten finish in the last seven races. Um, so Suarez is an interesting character here, Philip, because, you know, I know people aren't that high in that team this year, and certainly – Certainly, it, uh, Stuart Haas is nowhere near where they were a year ago, but he was one of those guys I think a lot of people pointed out here at Watkins Glen and said, hey, uh, this is an opportunity for him to go out and not only run good, but possibly get that win and get him into the playoffs, and he wasn't able to do it today. Your thoughts on Daniel Suarez is, and really all of Stuart Haas's run. Borer didn't run that good today. Amarola was decent, but he wasn't great, and Harvick was obviously the highest finishing car there in the eighth spot, but um, what were your thoughts on Suarez and Stuart Haas today? Yeah, I mean, the I think Stuart Haas in general, Harvick was 
the lead car out of that group. I mean, <clears throat> Boyer had some issues later in the day. I mean, Suarez is, in his career has run really well when he was driving for Gibbs. He, I think he's got a really good average at Watkins Glen. Uh, but today, I mean, he got into it with Kligerman and then he never really was around. It's you have to really wonder. Uh, I mean, when you consider Jimmy, and I know we'll probably talk about here in, in a minute, you have to start thinking about making a move uh, crew chief wise. I don't think it's a Billy Scott problem per se. I would say I, what I would do is I would switch Mike Bugaravich and and Billy Scott around and say, let's go with it that way and just try to, you know, shoot, shoot for the moon, see if we can get, you know, make sure one of them gets in. Hopefully we can get both of them in to the playoffs. Something has to change. I, I mean, honestly, uh, Stuart Haas in general is not anywhere near as good as we said before, as they were last year, that low down force, higher horsepower package, along with the tires and all that was much better for them. Uh, this package has definitely not worked well, even though Harvick has been there a lot more, hasn't been able to close in recent weeks. It's it's not good uh, when you consider what happened with everybody around the bubble. He did make up points towards the bubble because everybody around in front of him uh, had problems for the most part, but it's he's running out of time. I mean, Michigan is where he won his first uh, Xfinity race a few years ago, and it was a Ford benefit a few weeks ago. So that might be an option. But once you get past Michigan, I really don't know where Suarez is going to be able to make up the kind of points and or win uh, over guys like Johnson, Newman, Boyer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a really lost opportunity, but it isn't when you consider how Sears point went and then how today went, it was basically a mirror image of that. Hendrick was up there at Sears point and and the Toyotas and Gibbs were up there and that's exactly what happened here. Um, So, I mean, we're talking about something with Suarez who might not more than likely isn't going to make the playoffs as it stands. Uh, but I think there's bigger issues and there should be a bigger switch that goes on. Cause I think honestly, the way that the 48 performed minus when he went and, and, and got his panties in a bunch, it, it actually, uh, he actually performed way better than he has all year. So, I mean, it may be a good idea for some of these other organizations to look at. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't like taking one race and putting it in the vacuum and say, that's totally the issue there with Jimmy Johnson that, you know, but he certainly did perform better today. That is that is an absolute fact. But you brought up a very interesting point about Boyer. You know, Boyer's only, um, you know, 12 points to the good right now. And I wouldn't say he's in total, total um, panic mode right now. But that is not a good year at all for Clint Boyer, considering where he was last year. Um, and it's just been a, a lost season for him. He's only, he seems like he's 15th to 20th every week now with that 14 car. And he's in a contract here, and there's a lot of rumors surrounding the 14 that maybe he won't be back in that car. I find that hard to believe because he had such a good year the year before. But to, to put it in perspective, you know, Boyer since Michigan, uh, one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven. The last eight races, he's only got one top ten finish. Um, so that's not very good. That's not going to get it done. He's dropped from tenth to fifteenth in the points in that same time frame. So uh, it's been a real tough stretch for Clint Boyer in that fourteen car. And maybe it is. Maybe the crew chief change with Booker Ravitch. I mean, I don't think it would be that drastic considering they probably work together uh, and have a lot of communication together with the uh, 41 teams since they're teammates anyway. So a flop wouldn't be that crazy. But um, certainly a an interesting thing to, to discuss and, and talk about when, you know, you look at uh, just how – really how uh, Stuart Haas has performed those two cars in particular, the 41 and the 14. The 10 has been very good at times this year. He's still you know, rattling off some nice 15, top 15s. Top 10 finishes Eric Amarola has done this year. Um, So I don't think that team's totally out of whack, but the 41 and the 14 have really struggled this year. So that's something to keep an eye on as the season moves forward. Uh, Spencer, we'll talk about the incidents on the racetrack. The first one happened, I guess we'll discuss Kyle Busch, who finished 11th today. Had a fast race car. First got into it with William Byron, where Byron spun out, and then later in the race got into it with Bubba Wallace, um, and and it kind of got pretty ugly there with Bubba, you know, kind of going on a tirade at the end of that race. Um, but, you know, to me, Kyle, this weekend, for whatever reason, just seemed like the old Kyle Busch as far as frustration goes. He ran the Xfinity Series race yesterday, had a part break on him, which went in a race where he had the most dominant race car out there um, and was going to run away with the race. And it broke on him, and he really just was annoyed as could be at the end of that race. And it, I think it carried over into today and, and – uh, Philip talked about it earlier. I think it was sort of a lost opportunity for Kyle Busch where, you know, he sort of let his emotions get the best of him. And, and this is a problem for him. Uh, if he lets this carry into the, he does this in the playoffs. Now that's part, I think part of the reason why, um, it's good to eliminate his, his Xfinity series races. It sort of helped him in a way. I've always felt that he ran too many Xfinity series races. It got not only physically draining, but mentally draining for him in the season as the season went on. But since he doesn't run nearly as much, I feel like he's better off in the Cup Series. He's more, much more sharp. That's just my personal opinion. But what were your thoughts on Kyle Busch's issues today, uh, Spencer? First with William Byron uh, and then with Bubba Wallace. I mean, uh, you know, I always say I had a buddy of mine who was kind of blaming Bubba and blaming um, William Byron. But I always say, listen, if two guys are kind of hating on the same guy, uh, maybe that we need to look at that guy a little bit harder and say he was sort of the problem today. But what were your thoughts with Kyle Busch in the, in the situation with both Byron uh, and uh, Bubba Wallace? Yeah, so actually I didn't see what happened before. You know, they were going up the S's, and I saw Byron run into the back of them, and Bush flicked him off. But I also noticed Bush had a uh, bent-up hood, so I don't know if he ran into Byron previously. Uh, Philip, or you might have to touch on that. I didn't see what happened previously. Um but all I know is he wasn't happy with Byron for running into him, and he locked up his brakes and absolutely destroyed the front end of Byron's car. And, um, you know, if if Bush got into Byron before and Byron wanted to retaliate and hit him back, and, and Byron doesn't expect him to get the worst of it, but he did, and Bush didn't really – it didn't affect his car. Um, so, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to pay the guy back, and that's the same with Bubba Wallace. I'll just jump in right into that. He turned Bubba in the carousel, and Bubba didn't like it. And he wanted to show Bush that he wasn't happy. So coming off of turn seven, Bubba ran him all the way into the inside wall, and they were beating and banging, and then Bubba spun him. I mean, if you were going to 
whether it's on – and it happened in the Xfinity race. If you're going to turn somebody or, you know, whether it's on purpose or not, you should look forward to having one coming to you because you're going to unless it, you just got loose and the guy knows you got loose on the bottom and it came up and it's not your fault. But you're going to have one coming back. And, you know, I think more it's good for these drivers to stick up for themselves, especially the younger ones, and say, hey, you're not going to push me around like that. And Bubba, I would consider him as the younger generation, one of the younger guys in the sport. He didn't like it. He told he told the media, he goes, I don't care who Kyle Busch is. I'm going to get him back. And, you know, I think it's good to see drivers um, retaliate instead of just, oh, he wrecked me. I'm going to let it go. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And and you bring up a good point, you know, even tying it into Saturday's race, you know, and, and I don't know how you feel. We'll not touch on that when we get to the Xfinity Series race. But Ross Chastain, and I respect him totally for this. Same thing with Kyle Busch. They're both very aggressive race car drivers. So there's going to be a time and a place when you come over the line and you get just a little bit too aggressive. So you can't get upset when somebody take, sort of gets mad at that because you drive aggressively and you sort of do it without, you know, without care. You do it, well, I don't really care because I need to be aggressive to win. And I agree with that mentality. I think especially with this package, the way it is and how close these cars run, I do think you need to be aggressive to sort of win these races or at least – um, you know, a little bit more aggressive than what you had to be with the older package. So I don't blame both Chastain and Kyle Busch for running aggressive. Now, Kyle's always been aggressive, same thing with Chastain. But when you do that kind of racing, you're going to ruffle some feathers. And you can't get upset when people get upset at that. And it, listen, I understand Bubba Wallace is a guy who runs um, historically in the back of the field. He's basically a 25th to 20th place car on a good day. Um, but, you know, it takes two to tango. And um, I felt Kyle carried over his emotions from yesterday's race into today's race. I think he was very, for whatever reason, you know, and, and that's another thing I respect about Kyle Busch. He loves to win. He hates to lose. And you, you, can't, um, you can't blame the guy for that. You can't sit there and go, oh, come on. He is... He hates to lose. You have to admire him for that. But, you know, it's okay if you keep your emotions in check and sort of take it out on the thing that happened. But when you carry it into Sunday's race and you have a problem with William Byron and you have a problem with Bubba Wallace, um, you know, to me, it's it's sort of like he was sort of – I think Phillips said it. He only sort of threw today's race away because he was angry. Um, so a kind of a weird situation there with Kyle Busch. We haven't really seen Kyle do that as far as – um, two drivers in one race, or really just kind of just be overly steamed where he you see it come out on his racing, where it comes out in his racing, where you know he sort of ruins a day because he was angry. We haven't really seen that from him in a long time since his early career in NASCAR. Um, what were your thoughts, Philip, on the whole situation with Kyle and Bubba? I know you touched on a little bit, um, but what were your your final thoughts there on the Bush, uh, Bubba Wallace, and Bush? William Byron's situation before we moved to Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Blaney. Yeah, I mean, what happened early in the race, I don't know, it was like lap two or three. <clears throat> I mean, when you consider what was going on on these restarts later in the race, what William Byron was doing was defending his position, and Kyle Busch ended up spinning out. He say, I guess, whatever, you can, they'll go and his fans will go and say, oh, that was a great job of driving because he didn't go and hit uh, William Byron, whatever you want to, you can live in that la la land if you want. There. Yeah, but um, they they can believe that, and that's great. But 
the fact is he even after that he he came out tenth. He spun out, came out tenth, and got stage points after spinning out. And in the process, he ran it ran into William Byron, uh, going into the inner loop, because he's like, "Oh, you can't drive into me. Go drive around me because I'm Kyle Busch." And then William Byron was basically told by by Chad Knauss, "I don't care what you do. You better go. You better not come back." here without having it and he basically told him to damage his race car which i've never i mean it sounds like days of thunder crap and it makes sense since they're running a days of thunder car here in a few weeks but he went full cold trickle and went and damaged his race car and quite frankly i know a lot of people cheered about that but i haven't heard a cheer that a cheer as loud as i heard when bubba went and turned uh kyle bush in turn one because the reality is Kyle Busch drove through him like he didn't exist and, and, and wrecked his race car. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Bubba wasn't going to get any better than a 25th place finish, even with a good race car. I'm fully aware of that based on my knowledge of what that team is and based on, you know, my, whatever, my personal understanding of Bubba's situation and what my, the way I look at Bubba. But the reality is you don't have to drive through people to pass them. I don't, and the point is with, with Bush, he had no problem passing. I don't know how many other people, but he literally couldn't pass two people today. And both the people that he couldn't pass today, he ran over. And then, and then he wanted to cry wolf when they came back at him. So F him. I mean, honestly, they, the guy's got an ego the size of the state of Texas. Hey, everybody in the media, they, they have this thing about him that they have to go and make him out like he's a god. There's so many of his ridiculous fans who believe that he's he can't do anything wrong. This weekend was perfect proof. His wife goes and they do that stupid that stupid racing wives show and then make a fool out of him probably, even though he's a fool anyway. That's number one. Then awful. he has to run the Xfinity. He has to run the Xfinity race to make himself feel good about himself. And they he couldn't even win that because they had a mechanical problem. They called a caution for him, even though on a road course it should be a local yellow. He just sat there for two minutes. He pulled a Ryan Newman, and then today he wrecked a car that probably could have won the race. So congratulations, you hit the you you went and hit a trip. You you did you did a trifecta there, Kyle. Congratulations. We'll see you at Bristol. Yeah, for whatever, win anyway. for whatever reason, it just seemed like that 18 team – or that 18 car and Kyle to this weekend was just a little bit more uh, – you could see it in his racing that he was just a little bit more angry than what he normally is. And he's always mad when he loses. But, you know, maybe he has a week to sit on it in the Cup Series, so we don't have him really seen it a lot. But when he lost this weekend on Saturday, I mean, he was even fresh, uh, you know – his typical Kyle self after the race with, with reporters and, and one word answers, two word answers. And again, you sort of sit there and laugh and go, well, that's just Kyle. But, you know, if he can harness that and get, and get over it and sleep on it and say, okay, I'm done. And then Sunday go out there and run a smart race. You sit there and go, ah, it's, who cares? But today it just seemed like whatever happened Saturday, his frustrations from Saturday carried over into Sunday. Um, and again, it, it's fortunate for him maybe that we don't see him run the Xfinity Series races as much as we normally do, as we normally did in the past, because that could have been part of his problem. I've always said, again, I've always said I felt like he was a little bit mentally and 
physically fatigued when it got to October, and that's why you never saw Kyle Busch win all these races in the, every series, only win one championship. So I think it sort of benefits him that, um, you know, he doesn't run nearly as much as he used to uh, in those series. So um, a very, very um, wild day today, you know, and Jimmy Johnson and, and, um, and uh, Ryan Blaney got into it. You talked about it earlier, Philip. You know, um, Jimmy was having a really good run, and, and I will say this, though. I felt like Blaney uh, probably was, again, a little bit too aggressive there. Now, Jimmy, what he said on the radio, and I can understand his frustration because he's trying to make the playoffs, and there's no doubt he takes pride in making the playoffs. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on him right now because his crew chief, I think, sort of got a lot of the blame for why that 48 team wasn't running very good. Now, Jimmy... Now it sort of focuses on him because you change his crew chief, you can only sit there and say, well, now it's up to the driver and the crew chief to get it done. And if they don't get it done, then you got to sit there and scratch your head about Jimmy Johnson. So I understand he's a little frustrated um, to that sense. But, uh, you know, you don't really see Jimmy go after guys on pit road, and I don't think it was anything too crazy. He got a little stern with Ryan Blaney. But certainly I think what you can take from that incident on pit road is that the pressure is high. Right now on that 48 team, the pressure is high with Hendrick Motorsports to make the playoffs on that 48 team. Um, and he, he right now sits, as we talked about earlier, uh, tied in a dead heap with Ryan Newman. And he's at the break, tiebreaker with Newman with a better finish than him on this season, a better um, finish in one, one race More top than Ryan fives, Newman. Yeah. More top fives. So um, that's the tiebreaker right now. So Jimmy's in, Ryan Newman's out if the season ended, but he had an opportunity this weekend. Ryan Newman was terrible this weekend from start to finish. Finished 25th, not very like Ryan Newman, especially recently when we've seen that six car perform very, very well uh, of late. Um, he had an opportunity to gain a lot of points on Ryan Newman, and I think that's sort of the reason why he was upset. He only gained uh, you know, a handful. Now, he had some stage points as well, but he had an opportunity, if he finished in the top 10, to really put some distance on him in the six car wasn't able to do it, um, and now he's sort of tied there with four races to go. And a lot of pressure on that 48 team here as the season rolls along. 917-889-8280. Talking about Watkins Glen and the whole weekend here. Even we'll get to Eldora and the Truck Series here in a little bit as well. Now we move to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen International, which was ran on Saturday afternoon. The Zippo 200 at the Glen, which saw... Austin Cedric in victory lane, passing and holding off Christopher Bell at the end of that race. Justin Allgaier third. Ryan Blaney finished fourth. Interesting fourth-place run because they interviewed him at the end of that race. And he was not happy, saying we just did not race run well at all. We were terrible. Uh, fourth-place run, and for somebody to come out and say that, you know, it just shows you where that team is. Uh, sixth place for Chase Briscoe. Then it was Cole Custer, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, and Ryan Priest in a junior motorsports number eight rounding out the top 10 in the Xfinity Series, Zippo 200 at the Glen. What did you think, Philip? I mean, Austin Cedric, again, this was one of those weekends where I talked about it earlier with Chase Elliott. A lot of people sort of looked at him and said, well, this is his weekend to win. They can't screw it up. Austin Cedric was in the same boat. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a great year this year on the uh, ovals. He's still got a lot to learn, I think, on the ovals. But on the road course races, he's done a lot of road racing in his past. So on a, these road course races, this is where he's supposed to shine. He was able to go out there, and he didn't dominate, but he ran well enough and got the victory. 
to win the uh, Zippo 200 at the Glen. What did you think of the NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, the fact is we we probably going to bring it up here in a moment about um, A.J. Allmendinger, but <clears throat> the fact is A.J. Allmendinger previously drove for Penske, drove that car, won two races for that team in the previous guys, and he battled Austin Sindrick and made him earn it. And unlike Austin Sindrick's first truck series win at uh, Mossport a couple of years ago with Kaz Grala, well, Austin Chindrick, yeah, used a bumper, but so did A.J. Allmendinger, but he responded, and he was able to go and earn that victory. I'm no fan of Austin Chindrick, quite frankly. I don't think he's that good. Uh, I do figure that he's probably going to be in the 21 car after the year in 2021, uh, mainly because his dad runs Penske Racing. But the way he handled himself yesterday, the way he he drove and the way he respected everybody around it, and the way that people treated him and how everything was, it, it kind of was a a moment of where it might have changed, tur- made it turn the, the, uh, the tables a little bit. It might have been something where it could be a career-changing moment for Sindri. Granted, he's been a road racing uh, specialist in driving uh, whatever uh, Grand Am whatever they call it now, um, Michelin Pilot Series races for many years before he got into NASCAR full-time. He had chances last year he didn't close, but this time he did. Uh, Granted, Kyle Busch uh, was a second faster than anybody, and that car failed, which is why this opening came along. Good on them. They have work to do. They're definitely not where the big three are, uh, they need to make, they need to, they're basically in the same boat as Chase Briscoe. And Chase Briscoe had some issues yesterday that probably pre- prevented them from making a better finish than they had there. And those two guys, I think at the moment, along with Allgaier, are the three people that could contend for that fourth spot in uh, the playoff once they get to Homestead. Uh, but credit to Sindrick. He beat A.J. Allmendinger, who's won at this racetrack before, and, uh, you know, won that race in a car that has done very well at Watkins Glen over the years in this Xfinity race. And, you know, give credit to them and give credit to the big three. None of them are considered great road racers. They don't consider it a big, a great thing. Custer wrecked in practice. Reddick had issues earlier. Bell swore he's terrible at it because of how far he was off of Kyle Busch. They all made good points. This next month here where they're going to run three road courses could separate some things. It could offer some extra playoff points. Uh, It could offer up some different options for those three that could determine what happens here in a few months from now at Homestead. I totally agree. And, and that's, a, that's why it's such an interesting part of the Xfinity series schedule, because you look at it and you say, um, it, it's just, it changes everything so much. And I'll say this, you know, I, as good as the years Custer's had, there's still some work to do over there for that team. They don't run consistently enough to me where I sit there and go, you know, they're, they're going to be real tough to beat. 
Um, but, you know, again, it comes down to one race. So if they can win one race, then so be it. But, um, you know, I would like to see a little bit more consistency out of that double zero team. A decent run, you know, he destroyed his primary in practice uh, and to go bowling forward there for Cole Custer. And, and to come home seventh, you know, decent day for him for sure. Um, another interesting day was Ryan uh, – Jeremy Clements, who had a really good day. I thought he um, kind of got so unlucky there, but I thought he did fine. Uh, 11th place run for him, which is one of his better runs all year um, for the ParableVehicles.com Chevrolet or Jeremy Clements. I thought he did very well. Um, what stood out to you, Spencer, from that Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen? If anything, I mean, Cedric, a, a great road racer. We've talked about that. Uh, again, I still think there's some work to do on a mile and a half in the short tracks, on the oval tracks. Uh, he, but he was able to pass Chris Bell and hold them off. So a pretty impressive win for him at Watkins Glen on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing really stood out to me where I was like, whoa. But I thought overall, I thought it was a decent race. You know, him and uh, Almendinger battling out was exciting. Um, you know, they didn't dirty race each other. You know, one gave the bumper and the other one gave it back. And that's the way racing should be, a little beating and banging. And um, it's exciting for the fans. And it puts on a good show. And I tell you what, I don't know. When NBC takes over, I feel like it just ramps up. I don't know if it's because it's the second half of the season. Um but I don't know. I feel like ever since they take over halfway, it just ramps everything up. And uh, I think NBC does a good job. But that's the point. I don't know. I just feel like every time they take over, it does a really good – the racing's better uh, for some reason, and that's just me. Um, but it, unfortunately, what happened to Almendinger, um, you know, with that, I forget who got sideways coming up um, up the S's, you know, kind of blocked up the – held up the field, and Cendric went right on around. and. Um, was able to, uh, you know, get second and Almendinger was leading and then he was able to catch him and he had a fast car. And, you know, they it's the same as uh, Chase. They were fast ever since they unloaded, fast in practice, and Chase was the same way. So um, the two winners of this week showed up with the best cars and they're the ones who won. Um, you know, I would I was pulling for Almendinger, you know, with them losing Nick Harrison and that whole organization. It been pretty cool to see them win. And for AJ to put it back in victory lane, I think AJ is pretty funny and he has a good personality. He's always outgoing. Um, so, yeah, congrats to Team Penske. And, you know, I'm, I kind of, with Philip, I'm not really a big fan of Cendric. Um, and I don't know why. He seems like a nice kid. I just never really cared for him. Uh, but, you know, he can drive a car better than me and he has one more Xfinity win than I do. So, not going to take anything away from him. Um, will he be a true contention for, uh, contender for the playoffs? I don't think so. Uh, I'm not saying he's not going to make it far. I'm just saying I don't really think he has a shot to win the uh, championship with the big three. So congrats to them, and I'm sure there'll be a couple more in his Xfinity career before he goes to the Cup Series. So, um, you know, just another guy that definitely locks himself in with a win. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I think that really stands out to the Xfinity Series race, really two things, um, is the situation with Ross Chastain and, and Justin Allgaier where uh, I think Allgaier felt like he was kind of ran too hard and um, Chastain got into him and he took out Ross Chastain. And again, I talked about it earlier where I feel like these drivers who are aggressive, that's going to happen sometimes. People are going to get upset at you. Uh, and I don't think Ro- – I think Ross handled a lot better than Kyle Busch did um, where he was kind of like, well, you know, that happens. Allgaier is usually – it was just shocking, I think, to a lot of us because Allgaier usually is a very got a very cool head. You don't see him really get too worked up a lot. 
Um, but I think he, he kind of had enough and, and went out there. And I, and I thought he just bumped Chastain a little bit. You know, there's a lot different to me when, when you go into a corner and you absolutely try to turn somebody around and wreck him. He sort of bumped Chastain, and maybe he bumped him to absolutely wreck him, but I didn't have such a big issue with that. And the other storyline is going to be A.J. Allmendinger to be disqualified again. You know, he ran Daytona back in July, um, and early July, right there on, about a month ago, and that 10 car was disqualified then, um, and he was disqualified again here on Saturday uh, for being too low in the rear. Now, they blame they had damage on the back end of that car. Who knows? But not a great look for Carlick Racing um, where, you know, this is an organization I think uh, a lot of people respect and a lot of people sit there and pull for because they're sort of an Xfinity, they're an, an Xfinity Series-only team. They do a lot of good work. Um, they got a nice young driver in the whole Nick Harrison situation. But uh, not such a good look there, Philip for Colic Racing uh, being disqualified for this 10 team, really for this 10 team, it's in back-to-back races. Yeah, I was telling, we were, Spencer and I were talking about this uh, before the show, and I know that it's been brought up that Christopher Bell got penalized, but at the end of the, and we also talked about this a couple of minutes, we're going to probably mention this in a moment, in a few moments, in regards to the trucks, but when it comes to NASCAR, I say two things. There's two hashtags I like to use, consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement. And I find the fact that the 10 car with A.J. Allmendinger, a guy who's been nailed before by NASCAR because of their great drug program that's been proven to be garbage for about 30-plus years, um, through different very various ways, uh, their drug uh, abuse program, and then um, then you add colleague who Matt colleague who's one of the only people that I swear has invested his own money to run in this sport in the last ten to fifteen years, and is still here. Uh, it's it's the same way as Al Nice earlier this year when it came to Ross and that truck. Um, I, it's, to me, it's selective enforcement. You're going after the small potatoes. You're not going after the big dogs. You're utilizing the teams that theoretically can have to kind of take it versus going after the teams that are probably really doing the, the dirty, doing the dirty work. And like, oh, Chris Bell got nailed, but it's like, does it matter that Chris Bell got nailed? He has more playoff points than anybody is more stage wins. If if the playoffs start right now, he's the points leader. In the end, it didn't hurt him. If it happens in the playoffs, then it's a different story. If he wins and then they go and take a race away, then you're flipping it on its lid. But I don't, the, the point is, I think it's BS. I mean, and it's typical of NASCAR, the way they do things, the way they've done things for decades. Uh, it goes all the way back to the way they handle car long. I don't have a very high value for how they inspect vehicles or how they hand out penalties. And so the fact that AJ Allmendinger lost another second place finish, the point is he was he earned, he he drove out there and he made Austin Cindric earn that that race victory. And the same way as he made Ross Chastain earn that victory at Daytona a month ago. 
whether whether it was the point is I'm sure Matt College has a one two three picture hanging up in his in in that building. Whether NASCAR wants to believe that or not is whatever. He can go and show that and say I have three really good fast race cars. You go and sponsor me, and you go and sponsor Ross Chastain or Justin Haley or AJ Allmendinger. I can go win races. The point is he had a chance to win a race yesterday. So, I mean, I I could go off on a tangent if, if I start on, on inspection and NASCAR. There's there's a few things I can go off on a tangent on, so I'm going to let it go. Yeah, it, it's it's um, certainly been inconsistent over the last few years, that is for sure. Um, but, you know, it's just not a great look for Colic Racing when back-to-back races for that 10 car. But, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure Almanager's got other road course races for him scheduled so if that team can get it and win and then not get penalized that'll be huge for them uh, as the season goes on 917-889-8280 is the number uh, right uh, yeah 917-889-8280 here right well the Robles the fourth one uh, the Charlotte Roble is the fourth one they do run mid-Ohio next weekend as the uh, Cup Series is in Michigan and then they run out Clark Lake better known as um Mid Ohio, they run out Road America there on the 24th of August, and then of course you got the Rubble with Charlotte there uh, on the September 28th. So there are four road course races here coming up, three three more, including four including Watkins Glen coming up for the Xfinity Series. Um, but the Truck Series event, guys, was an everybody's sort of favorite event, the Eldora Dirt Derby um, from Eldora Speedway on. Uh, Thursday night that race was at Eldora with Stuart Friesen coming home with the victory, coming home with the victory. He led 57 laps. Uh, Shelton Creed was second. Third was Grant Enfinger. Mike Marlar was Mike Marler was fourth. A good run for him. Todd Gilliland fifth, and it was Christian Eckes. Chase Briscoe, who I don't know how the heck he finished seventh with that truck. That truck was destroyed. It looked like he went through a demolition derby. Led the first 93 laps really. He was dominant early, um, but then he got lost track position, was never really able to get it back, and then got some damage and was never really able to recover after that. Uh, Tyler Dippel was eighth, Tyler Ankrum ninth, and then uh, Matt Crafton was tenth. But Ben Rhodes, as you mentioned, with Tyler Dippel at the end, um, some some extra fireworks at the end of that race, which we'll get to. But what was your overall thoughts on the uh, Eldora Derby? It's funny, Spencer, because I talked about it earlier, and it's funny how all three races sort of fit this mold where um, you know, Austin Sidrick's a great road racer. He has to win a road course race to get his win if he wants to get the win. And, the, and the, Because if he doesn't, he's probably not going to win at the end of the racetrack. Um, you know, Chase Elliott, he's really good on the road course. You know, in Hendrick Motorsports, that team hasn't really performed well on any of the other racetracks. So that was an opportunity for him to gain some points, and he was able to do it. Stuart Friesian, a dirt modified background, a dirt background, one of the best dirt racers in the Northeast. Uh, has an opportunity, and this race always seemed to elude him over the last few years. And you sat there and said, "Okay, you know, when's Stuart Friesen going to win this race?" Um, he was able to do it. A, a good strategy call to keep him out in front of the field and not take tires. And Trip Bruce, who won the championship uh, 11 years ago with Johnny Benson, um, was in was in the victory lane for the first time in 11 years. He hadn't won a race since then. Uh, with Stuart Friesen. So uh, a nice job by the whole 52 team. They really needed a good run. 
Uh, we talked about Stu after a terrible weekend at Pocono where he led, he didn't even complete a lap and lost a lot of points uh, to, to win at Eldora and get him locked into the playoffs. That was a huge weekend and a huge night for him, Spencer Cowan. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned, you know, how it's ironic that he got his first win in the trucks on dirt. But let's face it, he's ran really well in that car, or truck, as I should say, on uh mile and a half and stuff. You know, he's running out of fuel in the lead on the last lap. And I think he's done his job in that 52 truck. Um, and I so I don't think he had to win here. I think he could have won multiple races on asphalt. Um, but, yeah, it's it's – you know, he's a dirt guy. You know, he says he's tremendous up by you. And, um, you know, Briscoe, he's talented on dirt, too. And um, I didn't know he owned a sprint car team. And Philip um, gave me the uh, news on that, that he did. He took over his father's team, which is cool. And um, so, though it was between those two, I thought uh, they were actually my picks to win the race. Um, you know, Briscoe had his incident. And you're right. That car was demolished. He had, like, half a truck. And he was still fast after that. Um, but good call by the crew chief of the 52. Um, and, you know, now he's for sure locked into the playoffs. I have a feeling that he was going to make it anyway, whether he had a win or not. But now he has a win and it secured him. And so um, with Briscoe wrecking, it's unfortunate. I mean, he was just there to have fun and try to get a win. Um, and I thought a lot of uh, Ross, I mean, he was running good. And he's first time in a dirt on a dirt track. So, um, and then he spun out. So they don't call it a derby for nothing. There was a lot of wreck, uh, trucks and it's fun, you know, it change it up, put it on the dirt. Let's sling some mud on the fans and the turns and let's just have fun. And I enjoy watching the race. And I think a lot of fans do, and, um, it hasn't gotten old yet. So I hope they continue to do it. And, uh, I hope Tony Stewart's statement is true. Let's see him get in a truck and tang with them boys and see what he can do. So, um, fun night. And congrats to the 52 and them. Um, like I said, his win should have came a long time ago, but that's racing. Not everything goes your way, and he's in the playoffs, and uh, he can definitely make it to Homestead, I think, in the Final Four. Yeah, and uh, it was funny because as much as we talked about Aldor and how great it was, two winners or two race leaders the entire race. But that might have been Philip with 45. <laughs> percent of the race being run under the caution flag 45 percent i mean that's an absolutely ridiculous number nascar to me up and and i don't know if maybe the cute of it you know we know how it, it happens when we're on a standard nascar weekend where you know let's say they're at michigan next weekend and an accident happens in turn one and the leaders have to pit and we wait the, until pit roads open when pit roads open the lead lap cars come in and they pit then we go around again, and then the lap down cars come in, and then they pit. And then they get them all set up back again, and if the wreck's clean, they'll get going the next time by. To me, because you don't really need tires at Aldora, uh, and maybe you, get, you don't really need gas, to me, you could run quickie yellows the entire night there. And if you're not familiar with the quickie yellow, the quickie yellow, which is, I don't know if that's the official name, but that's what they call it is basically takes that rule of having lead lap cars and lap down cars pit on different laps and just says, forget that. We're going to have lead lap cars and lap down cars pit on the same lap uh, so we can get the race going quicker. Now, I feel like on on a race like Eldora where pit stops aren't 
mandatory really aren't, I don't even think, necessary um, unless you're, you know, there was one, uh, the 2017 took tires, but they, you don't really need tires per se. The, the 52 ran on the same set of tires all night and won. Um, so I think quickie yellows might be the best thing, and that might be the issue there. But what do you think? I mean, is it, to, here's the problem. You know, if we uh, ran a, a a race where a lot of people were suggesting just don't make uh, caution laps count. I'll be honest with you, they might still be running there if caution laps didn't count. It was that crazy because you have to have caution laps count to get these races done. But, you know, I've talked about this for a long time, and, and this is something I've always felt like NASCAR should sort of lean on doing where, you know, it drives me crazy when I look at a 150-lap race and it's 165 laps or 160 laps, whatever reason, just like that's annoying. Um, I've always felt, Philip, that with 10 laps to go, there should be a clause in there that says, listen, under 10 laps, caution laps don't count. We will st- restart the race. We won't do 15, 20 uh, green-white checkered finishes. We will just sit there and go, if the race goes under caution before the leader takes the white, then we're going to have one lap to go when the race starts. If there's five laps to go when the caution comes out, we're going to have five laps to go when the race starts. Just don't have caution laps count in the final ten laps. Now, I don't know what that would have really done here on on uh, on Thursday night, but there was certainly a crazy amount of cautions. Now, these races, I feel like some of these drivers just you know, uh, take their heads off their shoulder and get way too aggressive. Yeah. But what can be done, do you think, to sort of limit the amount of caution laps at Eldora and, and help the event? Because I think that really hurt Eldora a lot that we ran, watched most of that race, uh, you know, 45%, which is just an astronomical amount being run under caution. I mean, I'll, I'm going to qualify this statement here before I go off here. I'm a Tony Stewart mark. I've been a Tony Stewart mark from the moment he became a, a rookie. I appreciate the fact that he runs one of the theoretical better truck races of the year. Between the way the track was prepped and the fact that Badger can't make a tire that's worth anything on any racetrack, and the fact that NASCAR doesn't know how to manage a race, this race jumped the shark. The, 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 what happened on Thursday there were so many stories. I mean, I know we were texting to the whole Stewart, the Stewie thing and him, and he didn't take the picture with Tony, of course. I think it was Roger Slack or somebody that works at Eldora. I mean, the point is 150 laps isn't enough. I forget who said it. It's like it should be like 200. There shouldn't be stage. There, there should be a halfway break at 100 laps like the way they used to do with trucks all those years ago. Do a 100-lap halfway break. If you have cautions in the first 175 laps, fine. You count them, or 180. Last 20 laps, any wrecks, whatever. If you spin, I I think the the easiest way to do it is if you've spun out three times the whole entire night park. Because there are some of these people that had no business being on that racetrack, like it was an ARCA race or, you know, like a Rick Ware racing or, or Jay Robinson special. You know, you should get off the racetrack. Mike Marlar was the only truck out of Josh Reum's team that had a business being out there. The other two trucks spun out about, it caused about eight cautions 
during that night. If you spin out more than three times, you get parked. Like that, you know, it's the the milk of Duno rule. You're not you're not fast. You have no business being out there. Park them. That's one way to do it. But there's other things. NASCAR's inability to score races, the bad tire, the lack of a second groove. All those things are part of what caused what we had on Thursday night and what probably jumped the shark for this truck race, unfortunately. What used to be an interesting race and brought some intrigue was a pretty um, meh effort there. Yeah, but I also think hurt this truck race just a little bit um, was the fact that we only had 32 trucks for 32 spots. There really wasn't anything important going on with the heat races there as well, like we used to see with Norm Benning and, and that historic moment when he ran in the, uh, the first outdoor dirt derby back there seven years ago. So I think that hurt this race a lot too, where, you know, I had a buddy of mine was sitting there going, oh my gosh, they got to get done with these heat races. There's really no point to it. But there wasn't. You know, there really wasn't a point to the heat races, um, you know, like we see around the Saturday short tracks where you sit there and go, well, you know, um, so a couple of guys might go home if they don't run good enough. We didn't have that on Thursday night. So I think that might have hurt that race just a little bit as well. Um, so there are certainly some things to work on. I'm curious to see because I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, the local dirt track by me, Middletown, uh, Orange County Fair Speedway, Middletown, New York, um, will have a, a race that will feature Sheldon Creed in a truck, in the truck that he ran on Thursday, and Stuart Friesian in the truck that he ran on Thursday. Um, up here in a couple of weeks running against each other, a 10-lap feature against each other. Very curious about that. There's been talk. Now, if you're not sure, you don't remember what Orange County Fair Speedway is, if you're not familiar with that place, um, they were recently bought, I think two or three years ago now, by Chris Larson, who is the owner of Hallmar um, and, and part owner of that uh, Hallmar Friesen Racing Race team. And uh, they've got some money. They've dumped a lot of money into that racetrack now. Orange County Fair Speedway is one of the more historic tracks on in the country as far as dirt racing goes. And they've dumped a lot of money into that track, and there's been talk there might be a truck series race heading there in the next couple of years. Um, I find it curious that NASCAR has allowed their trucks to be run at Middletown, up in Middletown, and be okay with that. It, to me, it might look like a little bit of a, of a test session there, just something to keep your eye on and something to keep um, your ear to the ground about here uh, as as the truck series and the dirt racing at Outdoor goes on now. Uh, whether or not – I think Tony does a great job there at Outdoor, but um, we'll see if that has any, you know, uh, any inkling hey, as far as what goes two? on with this truck series race. Just those two, a 10-lap feature with just those two trucks – battling against each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope to go. I hope I'll have the uh, opportunity to go up there and do that and watch that in a couple of weeks. I'm not really sure of the date. I apologize for that. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope to be able to watch it up there in a couple of weeks. I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan tonight. Guys did a great job recapping all the weekend from Watkins. It was a wild weekend. We had a lot to get to. Well, Dora, of course, we got to as well. If you like anything you heard tonight on Talking Circles, be sure to like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, um, and you'll find all our shows there. You can click to a link to listen to the show here as well. Well, thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight, and we'll see you next time.
Good night, everybody.